Bravely Being, a podcast for sisterly conversation where we unpack life shit, stress, loss, emotional turmoil. We've all been there and it's normal. We believe it's time to bring these issues into the light, delve inward and move forward. So we welcome everyone on our journey and hope our conversations resonate with you as we lean in, listen and learn from each other. This is Bravely Being with Danica and Megan. Yo, 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 it's Mikey D. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This is episode four, Toxic Relationships with Mikey D. <laughs> well, Michael Davidson, formerly um, known as Michael Davidson, my lovely fiance. It's Mikey Aww. D. Mikey D. Yeah, no, that's not what's going to go out on the wedding invitations, I promise. <laughs> Welcome, Michael. Thanks for being here with us. We're so glad that you are here. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Very excited. In a different room as Megan yeah, <laughs> to record this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't fit in the closet, so yeah, sorry. Both of us can't fit in this tiny, tiny closet. Um, yeah. But I guess I will introduce my lovely love of my life fiance um michael and i met at florida southern college where you also met danica we were all friends we all met there yeah we yeah. all met there um and he was a history nerd um <laughs> i always love to give him shit about um how he knows so much about cotton and um salt and some obscure history things he used to read me his was it your cotton paper no, it was my salt, salt paper. paper, my 10-page salt paper. Yeah, so, to go to sleep yeah. at night um, when we were long distance while he was getting his... Sexy. <laughs> yeah, it was so sexy. Um, <laughs> he would do that so I could fall asleep. Um, but anyway, we were um, a long distance relationship from Florida to D.C. while he was getting his master's in museum studies at the Washington um, University, Washington, yeah, George Washington University um, in D.C., <laughs> And um, he proposed to the love of his life last year. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> what? Really? What happened? In June. Um, <laughs> River? So, um, no, River, yeah. Um, he has a son, which is our dog, River. Um, <laughs> and he is a gem. I love him. And, yeah. He's Danica, a gemstone. A gemstone. And Danica, would you like to add Aww. anything to that lovely introduction? Uh, that was pretty good. I also learned some things about salt from michael um <laughs> michael knows a lot about salt recently I'm so inspirational yeah. Yeah. i mean i've yeah i've lived in massachusetts for a really long time and he was like you know um that what, what was it oh no i forget well, i don't think i taught her that well yeah Whoops. that's why i'm the no teacher. the thing about salt mines in oh, towns yeah. and old what was yeah, the suffix like yeah um, I can't remember offhand, but I mean, salt, salt mines and like brine work, uh, quite interesting enough for 10 I don't pages. know where I was going. <laughs> enough for 10 pages. Um, 10 pages worth. Of I that. love it. <laughs> I, yes. I would also add in addition to this, Michael is very thoughtful and kind. He always has been. And that's something that has always stood out to me about Michael since I met him and we were friends in our undergrad um he's super sweet and i feel like he picks up on the little things that people would often forget um about mm -hmm. and he's just one of the kindest most gentle people that i know so oh thanks guys I okay so i remember the thing about salt now uh <laughs> right, this suffix me. of which like harwich which is a town here like which would denote um like a salt mine so if it yes. in England mm -hmm. or wherever, because if it was like that was part of the name of the town, then you could know that there was a salt mine in it. Just that is. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. If you go into England, there's a lot of different places that, you know, end with which and whatnot. Um, there's some towns, uh, small tangent here about salt mines where they <laughs> overmined all this salt. And so half the town would like cave in and whatnot. So there'd be these towns that are just caved in and it would be this huge crisis Anyways, 
Salt is pretty cool. So welcome to the Salt Podcast. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of being salty, we're talking about, I kind of stole Danica's pun there. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about toxic relationships because um, even though Michael and I have a very healthy relationship, we're not toxic at all. We have all, each of us have been in um, what we would probably consider a toxic or even sometimes an abusive relationship um, in the past. So we're just going to kind of unpack a little bit about that today and tell some funny stories about our exes. Um, mm-hmm. we are going to keep our exes anonymous out of respect. Mm-hmm. Um, even though some of them definitely don't deserve that respect, we are better than that. Um, and so, um, hopefully we all came yes. up with some funny names to call our exes on the show. Yes. Um, before we get into that, I just want to talk about Michael a little bit more mm-hmm. <laughs> because when I left for Nepal, you guys were not dating. So when I came back and you guys were like, look, we're dating. And also in Taiwan, when you were like talking about him as a boyfriend, I was like, that's kind of weird, but interesting because they're both my friends. <laughs> and then you guys were like, we're engaged now. And I was like, oh my God. But it makes me so happy because I think that you guys are a really good pair and you suit each other very well. So I'm glad that that happened. Um, yay for Florida Southern Mox on the move. <laughs> this is a Danica approved bondage. Um, I approve bondage. <laughs> bondage. Um, I guess uh, bondage is not the right words. word, but um, approved union. Um, yes, I have my stamp of approval. Um, unlike the stamp that I don't have for toxic relationships. <laughs> womp womp. That was a bad transition. (laughs) Oh, uh, one thing we need to say before we get started is you need to make sure that you're following us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, mm -hmm. Bravely Being Podcast. Um, If you have not followed us, um, please do so. Um, And Danica, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about our awesome merch and how that's going? Yeah, so we have... Currently, we just sold out of tote bags, but we were selling tote bags with our hand-stamped Bravely Being stamp, which is a ginkgo, and I actually made the logo out of a stamp that I had carved, so we have that stamp, so we can just, like, stamp all of the things. Um, It's like put a ginkgo on it instead of put a bird on it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, So you can. we will restock those canvas tote totes don't be sad about it um we're gonna have different colors and you can also um, contribute to our podcast help support our podcast by purchasing one of our stickers which are also available on our etsy shop which you can access through our instagram page and if you're not following us please 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 do you can see some really awesome content that's based on our episodes and um behind the scenes content as well on Instagram. And also, as Megan said, make sure that you are subscribing to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And also, if you want, you can definitely um, review us on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate that. Yeah. One other thing to mention, our handle on Instagram is at Bravely Being Podcast. And um, our stickers also partially go to the um, Paula Ford Martin Memorial Fund, 10% will be donated to them, um, which their cause is creating and giving out scholarship monies to LGBTQ um, plus students and their allies. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, help support both us and the Paula Ford Martin Memorial Fund. Yeah. All the good, awesome things. Yay. Yay. We're so excited. But we're more excited <laughs> about having Michael here today. Aww. <laughs> So we're going to go right into story time about toxic relationships and just kind of an introduction into um, our backgrounds in having or being in these toxic relationships. And I guess I will go first. You know a little bit about my background from our origin stories, but I didn't really talk that much about that relationship and... Like Megan said at the top of the podcast, I'm going to keep um, him <laughs> anonymous. So I guess I'm going to call him Billy Bob. <laughs> Billy Bob. <laughs> Billy Bob, the cowboy. Yeah. So basically that was um, my 
most significant relationship to date, unfortunately. It was super, super toxic. And when I told my mom a little bit about what of some of the things that had happened during the relationship, you know, I I had kept these details very closed off from my family because I felt a little bit ashamed at some of the things that I had that had transpired and um I still kept going back to the relationship. But when I told her she started crying and then I was like, wow, this is a this is a sign that this is not a very good relationship. Yeah, he would just consistently he was very, very um distrusting. He could not trust me in the slightest, even though I mean I didn't really give him a reason to trust to not trust me. Um when it came to cheating, he thought that I was going to cheat on him at every turn. He was upset if I liked someone's photo. He was upset if I was talking to someone. If I if he saw that I was texting another guy, he would get really angry and um, threaten to break up the relationship. And it was kind of this continuous cycle of things being really, really good and then things being really, really bad. Because on the flip side of that, he wrote me poems he uh sang these songs um and it just was very very negative so and then it culminated in him breaking up with me at an airport which is very disrespectful so that is a little bit about my background with billy bob (laughs) (laughs) all right billy bob the asshole um all right michael why don't you give a little bit of insight on your um experiences I mean, there's a lot of aspects to, like, toxic relationships, too. I mean, there's a lot of ups and downs and whatnot. I think something Danica kind of touched on was, like, just kind of, like, how do you how do you kind of talk to your parents about some of this? Like, maybe when you're younger. Like, for example, when I was younger in high school, you know, you know first relationships, they're pretty toxic usually because you're just kind of learning how to kind of work with another person in a, in a relationship. And... I found it very hard to talk about relationships at all to my parents. So I kind of didn't, I kind of uh, shut them out of that. So like when toxic things did happen, you know, they weren't, they weren't, uh, they couldn't support you. Yeah. Well, I, I just couldn't really come talk to them. And I'm sure y- you both have mm-hmm. had those kind of situations happen as well. And it's kind of hard um, going through rela- relationships as a kid in high school as it is. And Yeah. Yeah. And I'll I'll bounce off of Michael here because I think both of our toxic relationships were primarily our first relationships that we had um, back when we were in high school. Um, I'm just going to call my ex dumb shit. Um, That's going to be his name. So dumb shit kind of did some similar things like what um, Billy Bob did to Danica. Um, (laughs) You know, at first he was really loving and really complimentary and sweet. But I would say probably like a month or two into the relationship and being a 15 year old girl who'd never dated anyone or felt wanted before um, in that kind of way, you know, felt very um, trapped because he was saying how much better he could do than me, um, that he had other options than me. And that, um, you know, he made me felt really small um, as a young woman. And I took that abuse for about a year and a half. Um, And by the end of that year and a half, I didn't really I wasn't really hanging out with any of my friends anymore. I was isolated. And it kind of just got to the point where I was all like, fuck this. This is enough. Like, I want to hang out with my friends. I don't want to be controlled anymore. And um, I kind of had this like bad bitch awakening and said, I don't need your ass and dumped him. Um, And so that that's kind of a very short overview of that um, toxic relationship that I had as a young um, girl in high school. And I feel like a lot of the things, kind of like what Michael was saying, I felt like I couldn't talk to my parents about it. I felt like I couldn't talk to my friends about it. It's your first brushes with um, sexual experiences. And I had no one to talk to. And I had no framework of what a healthy relationship or a appropriate sexual relationship looked like. And, you know, it just spiraled out of control and caused me a lot of stress and um i i still it took me a while to unpack that yeah um 
something I noticed from both of you kind of talking about these relationships and I can also resonate with is a sense of isolation. <laughs> I think in some of these toxic relationships, um, uh, for example, um, I'm going to name all of my past relationships, um, traditional German names. So uh, one of my first uh, <laughs> girlfriends, her name was uh, Olga and Olga <laughs> Olga, you know, we, we were young in high school and very nice, but it, it kind of came to isolation. She kind of wanted me to stop hanging out with uh, my friends and um, tried to kind of break me up with my friends. And I'm sure that's kind of happened with you two before, it sounds like. And it, it can feel very isolating in some of these relationships um, when it should feel the opposite. You should feel, you know, love from all angles. But um in these kind of relationships, they can be quite isolating. Aww. I love love Definitely. at all angles. I love you. Yeah. You're so good. Love you too. <laughs> okay. Gross. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's definitely a part of being in a toxic relationship is you feel like your family and friends are concerned for one. And then also you're being isolated. I think probably because the toxic person or, or maybe you are the toxic person and you're trying to isolate the other person because because the family and friends are concerned, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, that all stems from jealousy um, and obsession almost, you know? Like mm-hmm. as a kid, like you're so desperate to have that first relationship or to feel wanted. When you have something like that, you don't want to let go of it. And um, I mean, even adults too, because I would say Billy Bob also did this to Danica and he was a full-fledged adult, you know, <laughs> shouldn't be doing this shit. He was. But, um, you know, like once you find something that you're infatuated with, you know, you kind of want to cage it like a bird, you know? Yeah, yeah. you kind of look past a lot of red flags just to try and make things work, even when reality-wise, you know, they can't work because you're just such different people. I mean, how many times have anyone listening has been in a relationship when they deep down they know it's just not really going to work out, but they're kind of desperately trying to cling to this relationship to make it work? Um, and I mean, we've all been there, and it's, it's hard to kind of see past those red flags and get a hold of it. Exactly. And speaking of red flags, when it comes to toxic relationships, what would you guys say are some of the things that categorize a relationship as toxic? Well, we already identified isolation. Um, Mm -hmm. We've already identified friends and family expressing concern. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say jealousy. You know, um, Mm -hmm. why are you talking to... Um, I don't know, Billy Bob, when you should be talking to me, like you're showing them more attention than you are to me and then making that person feel bad for having other relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think um, when I think of toxic relationships and the line between toxic relationships and abuse, which we can also talk about in a little bit, but um when it comes to toxic relationships, I just feel like the bottom line is you don't feel good when you're with them. You know, you're not growing in a way that's holistic. You might be growing. And that was a part of my relationship with Billy. <laughs> Bob. Uh, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> I thought I could just go with Billy. But then I, I actually know a Billy. So then I felt bad. Um, Billy for sure. But, and, anyway. BB? No, because really being is BB. No. No. We can't tarnish <laughs> okay, that just, name. I'll just say Bob, whatever. Um, I felt like I was growing in certain aspects of my life. Like we would do things together like yoga and we would also do artistic projects and stuff. And so I thought this is a healthy relationship because we're doing these things. But then so much of the relationship, I felt like shit. You know, I felt mm-hmm. terrible about myself. Um I felt worse like when I was with him sometimes than when I was without him or I felt worse when I was with him than with other people. Um, And I felt like I kept on doing things wrong in the relationship and I couldn't do things that were right. Mm -hmm. I just kept Mm -hmm. on making mistakes because he made me feel like uh, like this decision, you know, even something as simple as texting someone. And, and then I would think, oh, my God, I shouldn't have texted that other guy, you know, even though it's a friend. It was a friend of mine. Um, so just feeling, I guess, a sense of being trapped and also feeling 
like shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say dip in confidence because, you know, that when someone who's typically like a happy-go-lucky person starts to become this person that's really insecure, you know, that's a big indicator, in my opinion, that some someone is suffocating them, you know, is mm-hmm. causing that mm-hmm. kind of feeling to happen. Yeah, like there's an imbalance of power between the two people. Yes. I think manipulation can be mm-hmm. a large part, too. I think in all of the relationship, previous relationships that I consider toxic, a lot of it was a lot of manipulation to either like lying or uh, manipulating feelings and whatnot to, you know, get me to feel a certain way or feel bad about something. A lot of it's manipulation and that can be that power dynamic as well. One person having power over the other individual. So, mm-hmm. and yeah. I would add also like lies, you know, when the lies start mm-hmm. coming out, mm-hmm. I remember way back when, when dumb shit, um, dumb shit was older than me when I was dating him, I was 15 and he was, I was a freshman in high school and he was a graduating senior. He was 18. Um, whoa, should not have been in that relationship to begin with. But anyway, I remember, um, when, you know, he expected absolute honesty from me. If he thought there was like a lapse in my story, it would turn into a fight where I would be crying and crying and crying and he'd be yelling at me on the phone and there would be all these emotional up and downs. Um, And I remember specifically like one of the lies that he told me was that he like only had sex with like a couple of people and then it started coming out that there were more people that he's had sex with and this was at a point where we were already sexually active with one another and that was a huge Mm -hmm. sense of betrayal on my part but then he like convinced me that it was my fault that he didn't feel comfortable telling me like you know he manipulated me um and tried to Mm -hmm. put his mistake back on me when obviously it was not my fault um that he withheld information from me so um i don't know if you guys have anything to attest to that like the lies in a relationship for sure and then when you're trying to explain yourself or say the real story of what actually happened on your at least from my experience Um, when my ex would accuse me of lying or um, having these bad intentions or ill-mannered intentions of cheating, it was a lot of times, pretty much 99% of the time, it was centered around uh, around cheating. And I would tell the truth. um, He wouldn't believe me. And then I would second guess myself. And I went into this alternate world where everything I thought and said was untrue. So then I would second guess myself and then I just had no confidence. It was breaking down my confidence so slowly, but so surely that I had no semblance of what I wanted or who I was. And it just became whatever he said was true because whatever I was saying didn't make sense anymore to my, to myself. Yeah. That's some real brainwashery right there. That's like a big brother. So, I mean, it's, it's not fun being on that end. Um, I think, um, two of the relationships I had while in high school, I was lied to a lot and ended up getting cheated on a couple of times. You know, it's, you kind of doubt yourself a lot. Like, am I being, you know, crazy or like, am I overreacting when, you know, this person is lying to you or saying whatnot? So it, it just hurts your confidence so hard. Absolutely. So I thought it would be fun if we, um, I I created some sentence stems being the educator that I am um, regarding (laughs) our exes. So we're going to fill in the blanks. Um, Like Mad Libs. Yeah, it's like Mad Libs. Um, So the shittiest lie my ex told me was dot, dot, dot. I can start off. I remember very vividly at the beginning of um, the relationship with dumb shit that he was like, telling me about the time he lost his virginity and he was like that's when I realized that you can have sex with someone you only like wow isn't that trash yeah such such grossness trash I think that the biggest lie my ex told me when we're still still talking about Billy Bob because that's I mean pretty sort of recent the day before he broke up with me he was very lovey-dovey he was very um affectionate and that night he was you know he was very uh horny so he was like (laughs) texting me kind of a horny things with the knowledge that he was going to break up with me 
in the morning when I was at an airport, when I was literally boarding an airplane. So he was texting me these things and he was saying, oh, I can't wait to see you tomorrow. Oh my God, I'm so excited, blah, blah, blah. You can imagine. And uh, he planned that shit. And so he knew what he was doing when he was texting me the night before. And I think that is a huge lie. And mm-hmm. uh, it really messed me up, honestly. Yeah, I think Billy Bob needs to go to horny jail. Um, <laughs> he, he, he needs to be bonked, bonked real hard because uh, Billy Bob way. just, yeah. Um, I think uh, one scenario I had, and this was, uh, what's another traditional uh, German name? Helga. So Helga and I were uh, seniors around, you know, senior year of high school. And um, this is when I was working at a supermarket, and I won't name the name of the supermarket. We'll call it Bublix. <laughs> oh, I wonder. <laughs> And while at Bublix, I was a bag boy and Helga was a cashier. And, um, th- and I think like a month or so into this relationship, she mentioned, oh, I'm going to stay at one of my friend's houses. Uh, and I knew this friend. So I think later that week when I was talking to her, her friend, I said, oh, I hope you and Helga have a great time tonight. And the friend said, actually, we're not hanging out. Uh, she canceled on me. Um so I said, oh, I th- that's a little weird, but whatever. So, you know, the next day I said, oh, how was, uh, you know, your time with your friend? And she said, great. <laughs> and so I confronted her about it. And she uh, kept with her story, uh, despite me saying, you know, I, can't, I talked to your friend. She said, you canceled. And eventually the truth came out. She stayed at the manager's house. So uh, after that, it came out that, you know, she cheated on me with the manager. I have questions. How old was this manager? Uh, he was in his 20s. We were probably like, <laughs> I don't know, 18, 19, maybe, or so. Maybe. Yeah, it was real scummy. Um, so I remember that lie, and I, I think I, I just couldn't handle that. I was like, you got to be kidding yeah. me. I mean, like, that's scummy <laughs> on two ends, you know, not just her oh, yeah. end, but really manipulative and scummy of someone in a position of power to like yeah. be having a freaking high school girl sleeping at their house that's that has a lot of lot of red flags um so next sentence stem i look back and laugh at my ex when oh god dot 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 <laughs> yeah so i guess i'll go um so billy bob recently uh released an album onto spotify and that kind of just led to lots of different emotions. Um, everything on the emotional spectrum from being really sad and crying to, you know, the laughs. Um, but yeah, that, I'd, I'd say that's the last time. Well, I mean, when everyone thinks they're a musician and that they're good enough to be on Spotify, that's a, that's a big red flag for me. <laughs> yes, as a musician yourself. God, I can't. <laughs> I think I had a real good laugh when um, the, uh, I can't remember what I called her, Olga, my first relationship in, um, yeah, Olga. in high school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she later got married to the uh, guy she uh, cheated on me with, and then they got a divorce. Um, yeah. I, that's not, I feel bad a little bit, but there's some irony there because she cheated on him later. So like there was some irony there in the end. So, I mean... It, it's unfortunate that they went through a lot of pain, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you caused me a lot of pain too. Not that it's justified, but God, yeah. Some good stories. <laughs> it's, it was, it's been a weird ride, but it, it turned out well. It turned out pretty awesome. Cause I'm, I'm with Megan now. So uh, I think it was worth <laughs> it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're disgustingly cute. So gross. Um, well, I look back and laugh at my ex when he messages me on Facebook trying to have a conversation with me. This hasn't happened for a couple years mm-hmm. now, but um, pretty consistently throughout my college years, he would message me and just like want to catch up. And really it mm-hmm. would be him kind of like trying to outdick me, like saying like, oh, I did 
X, Y, and Z musically, because he's also a musician. He played piano. And um, when I was a little freshman in high school, you know, I thought he was a shit. But now I know better. I'm a trained musician. Um, And, you know, he would tell me about how he was conducting all these things in his undergrad. And I feel great satisfaction knowing that this motherfucker is doing some kind of like teleworking um, tech help job, not even doing music. Listeners, (laughs) what is the biggest laugh that you've had at your ex or regarding your ex? Let us know. (laughs) Let us know on Instagram or on our email, bravelybeingpodcast at gmail.com. Just a little plug. Um, Back to toxic relationships. I think in my relationship with Billy Bob, we oftentimes stepped back and tried to... um, look at our relationship to see, is it healthy? And that kind of led to some even more unhealthy things because I kept on trying to prove that it was healthy, even though it wasn't because I wanted so badly to be in a relationship that I could would just ignore all these unhealthy, toxic signs. And basically when I was in that relationship with Billy Bob, um, we kept on talking about, is this relationship healthy or toxic, which I think is probably a sign that it was toxic and not healthy. Um, <laughs> so what do you guys think about, re- like, what even the- retros- retrospectively thinking about relationships and being that was toxic versus that was just a bad relationship? What do you think about labeling it when you're talking about it? I think I think relationships are very, very complex because, like, I think there's always health, healthy and toxic aspects to every relationship, you know, because like in any relationship you kind of do, there's some good stuff that happens and maybe there's some more or more bad stuff kind of happens and good stuff. So, I mean, more relationships can be more toxic or less toxic, but I think there's just so many, it's a very complex system relationships and you can have like amazing aspects out of it, but also amazingly horrible aspects out of it. So it's, kind of hard to just classify an entire relationship as just 100% toxic when there might be some good stuff too. Um, The way I kind of took it is like what defines a healthy relationship, I kind of flipped it. So like Mm -hmm. um, for me, I feel like I truly have only had a couple of healthy like dating relationships in my life. Um, Obviously, Michael and um, I would say my ex before that will call him Texas. Um, (laughs) Texas was a pretty healthy relationship, um, even though it was not right for either of us. Um, So Mm. really, besides Texas and Michael, like all my other relationships have had some kind of um, negative spin to it. But I think when I'm looking at my healthy relationships and the characteristics thereof, I think that I still felt free to do what I wanted to do. You know, um, I felt free in the relationship. I had um, the choices that I would have been able to make alone. I could still make alone. You know, Um, I wasn't being micromanaged. I was trusted. And um, the person made me feel happy. I looked forward to seeing them. So those were some things that I would look for in a healthy relationship. And when those things aren't present, I feel like there has to be some sort of toxic element or abusive element that is there. I've been thinking recently about different energy levels of, you know, of myself and examining my energy levels when I'm around certain people or doing certain things, like when I'm exercising or stuff and my energy is higher. And I think that toxic relationships can just, they just drain you. They just drain your energy Mm -hmm. and you are not your fully alive self when you're in a toxic relationship. And I think that's how I would label a toxic relationship as being unhealthy. Um, And then also another thing that we haven't really touched on yet is in a toxic relationship, the significant other or you, if you're the toxic person in the relationship, um, never takes responsibility. So like within Mm -hmm. Billy Bob's and my relationship, he kept on saying, you, 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 this basically the problem is you and never, I don't think he ever said sorry, like throughout the whole relationship, throughout every argument that we had, every time that I broke down and was crying, he never said sorry. Let me be the first to tell you, I'm sorry you had to go through all that. That sounds quite rough, actually. Yeah, it wasn't great. 
Um, and then another thing within toxic relationships is the idea of stonewalling and gaslighting. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of us are a lot more um, aware of gaslighting now. And gaslighting was a huge thing within our relationship of trying to understand and be like, are we gaslighting each other? The answer was yes. Um, and then stonewalling is like um, when your partner shuts down when you're trying to purvey to them what's bothering you or why you're mm, upset mm-hmm. and they just are not responsive, um, which I think can happen a lot in toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blowing mm. things out of proportion, too, is kind mm-hmm. of what comes to mind. And that's something that dumb shit was great at doing. Um you know, one thing that I think that comes up for me when if with toxic relationships is the fact that as a child, my parents never talked to me about what healthy boundaries look like or what a healthy relationship looked like, even though I would define my parents as having a healthy relationship. That was never a conversation that the three of us ever had. I'd be interested to hear what was your experience as a young adult in talking about healthy relationships with your family? I mean, mine was non-existent, actually. Um, I mean, literally non-existent. I mean, at one point after my first relationship ended because she cheated on me twice, my my mom still liked her a lot. Um, and if you're listening, mom, I love you. Um, but she still liked her a lot, but she didn't really know that she cheated on me twice. Um, and I never really told her. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell anyone, hey, uh, my significant other cheated on me twice. Not only once, but twice. So, I mean, like, how do you kind of tell your parent that? And I didn't. So, I mean, that was a lot of my early relationships is, um, yeah, I, I didn't uh, tell my parents anything like that. Maybe I, I just didn't know how or I just didn't want to even admit it, I guess. I mean, it's just so hard talking about these kind of things to your parents I think so yeah I think the same like I think that that is kind of something that people that parents don't really talk to their kids about of like what a healthy relationship is they kind of expect Mm -hmm. their kids to know and maybe they didn't have that model to them so um, maybe they just think that them modeling their own relationship will rub off on their kids or I don't know, just showing mainstream media of positive relationships. But this is a question that kind of hits home for me because um, of recent things that have happened in my family where I just idolized my parents so much as having this really great positive relationship. And recently um, things have broken down a lot. Um, So that kind of has shaken my whole idea of relationships as being positive at all yeah <laughs> so i'm in a place where i'm just like f everything <laughs> <laughs> well not f everything it is possible to have healthy relationships but i think something that is consistent in the american household and maybe even just globally too like we have to teach our children what their worth is we have to teach our children how they want to be respected and we also need to provide children with a safe outlet to be able to talk transparently about these things. And even though I feel like I had a great relationship talking to my mom growing up, she knew basically everything about me for the most part when it came to, you know, my first relationships and um, my first sexual relationship, you know, like that was just handled so poorly because she didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know how to talk about it and no one was owning the situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Definitely. definitely. So happy and a sappy. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> you want to go first? Um, Sure. My happy is that I got to meet a lot of my students this past week. Um, Only one of my classes felt really awkward, but for the most part, the kids were happy to be there and were willing to talk to me and um, tolerate me making them play games and um, interact with me. So I was very appreciative of that. So that brought a lot of light to my week, um, having um, students in the classroom again. Sappy? Um, I don't know if I have a sappy. Michael, what's my sappy? Do I have a sappy? Um, <laughs> I think we wanted to get coffee this morning and we just ran out of time. That was the sappy for today. Yeah, but we, yeah, did... we just couldn't get coffee in time. Yeah, but we did end up getting coffee. So yeah, eventually, did... but... Yeah, that sappy <laughs> did resolve itself. Um, so yeah, and then my other happy is that, um, 
Amber, my bestest, bestest buddy. Shout out to you, Amber. I love you. Um, she is coming to visit me and Michael tomorrow. So she's flying into Baltimore. Uh-huh. I'm picking her up. And then we're going to explore Ocean City, Maryland, which is like the beachy town of Maryland. I'm super pumped. Um, so, yeah. Michael, your turn. I guess a sap or not sappy, a happy for me is I got my first dose of the vaccine today. Mm-hmm. That Whoa. was a very positive experience. Um, it was pretty easy to do and um, felt very safe going there. Uh, it was at this huge stadium in kind of downtown Baltimore. So that was pretty good. Um, one of my sappies for this week is I got two citations um because oh, no. maryland be stupid like that and because the mail system rebel. is so yeah because Steve. the mail system is so slow you know i i these were taking taken um i believe like at the start of the month and i just got them a couple of days ago so like oh, i'm gonna cross my fingers i didn't get any more um who knows we'll see in a couple <laughs> days um that was the crap or uh Happy. yeah Sappy. And then another happy um works going really well. I'm start I'm having fun with my new job. Um getting more and more responsibilities and people are kind of looking for me for guidance on things and that's been a very positive experience as well. So yay, new job, new plants. Oh yes. yeah. <laughs> so my first happy is that I went on the Cape Cod Rail Trail, which is this really fun path that goes through all of Cape Cod and it's been really nice out so I put on tank top and shorts even though it was slightly too cold for those clothing decisions and uh, took Dolly out and Dolly my dog and went roller skating and I hadn't roller skated with her yet and it was so fun she was running alongside me the whole time and then sometimes (laughs) she would pull me and I was just laughing hysterically and people were laughing and smiling every time I passed them because she was like running hardcore and I was roller skating pretty fast and it was just like we were a dynamic duo we were going so fast it was wonderful yeah I was surprised at how well she was um how well she roller skated with me ran (laughs) with me and my crappy um let me think what is the crappy crappy is that I (laughs) Um, well, I guess it's sort of a happy too. I've been applying for grad schools. Oh, Dolly's. Dolly. <laughs> She's sad about that. No, <laughs> no grad school. <laughs> My crappy is actually sort of a happy because I've been applying for more grad schools. I've gotten into one, but I'm applying to other ones, which was kind of a delayed decision. So I've gotten in a few applications, but the application deadline has passed, but they're still taking um, they're doing rolling exceptions or admissions and so hopefully I get into one of them which would be nice I'm just an mm-hmm. eternal procrastinator and I was like oh my god the deadline was last week which is a crappy but hopefully it doesn't matter that much which is a happy <laughs> yeah yes. I know you're gonna get into the right school and land exactly where you're supposed to be I'm excited for you it'll happen well, well, why don't we jump back into my little Mad Libs um, bit? So um, next one, the weirdest thing my ex ended up doing with their life. I don't really know. Um, I mean, one of one of my um, uh, previous relationships, the one that worked at Public, she actually went and married i don't know if it was the same manager or the same person she cheated on me with but she ended up marrying a manager and then having a kid with him that was kind of crazy um yeah and the other one my first relationship she actually uh tried really hard to become a disney princess would sneak into disney dressed up as like um Elsa from Frozen. I think she got kicked out like once or twice and she never actually became a legitimate <laughs> princess. So, um, <laughs> she just has to let yeah. it go. Yeah, she, ha- oh, <laughs> she has to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, those are pretty strange. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the extent of it. Um, yeah. Um, I know that one of my exes, Texas, um, he had a girlfriend that was a model this was after me and I had a friend who was still following on social media and she would send me screenshots they 
took some <laughs> underwater pictures, which were kind of cool, but also very strange to me. So um, that was kind of weird. <laughs> um, the weirdest thing that one of my exes ended up doing with their life, honestly, haven't been in too many like quote unquote serious relationships that last a longer time. Um, but I'd get, I'd say, um, the relationship that I had in college, he ended up being like a black ops helicopter person, uh, driver. I don't know what aviation person pilot. That's the word. A pilot. (laughs) Yeah. Helicopter pilot. He's one of them sky car drivers. (laughs) (laughs) He drives one of them sky cars. That actually sounds cool. I don't know. I don't know if he's actually, I think he's a pilot. I don't know if he's actually a pilot or if he does some, like, maintenance. I don't know. some Something to do with helicopters in Army. All right. That brings us into um, our next question. Um, let's go with the scary, we'll get a little deeper. We'll get a little deeper here. The scariest moment I had in my past relationship was... Oh, yikes. Okay, I can definitely win this one. It, it, it's not a competition, but I, I think I can win this one. <laughs> but I'm down. a winner. <laughs> but I'm a winner. Well, Mr. Winner, I guess I will go first then. Um, well, my relationship with dumb shit was abusive in nature, both emotionally and physically. Um, so I won't go into too much detail here only because I know that this may be triggering for, um, some people who may be listening, but all of my scary moments stem back to my moments of abuse. There was one time behind a movie theater where he, um, grabbed me and pushed me up against a wall. Um, there was another time on a school function where, um, he pinched and twisted my sides, um, because he didn't know how to handle his anger. Um, so his fragile masculinity kind of came out in these moments of abuse where he didn't know how to handle his anger. Um, and so those were probably my scariest moments in addition to the moments where he was emotionally manipulative and abusive too. But anyway, Danica, why don't you go next and we'll save Mr. Winner for last. Um, I'd say that scariest moment for me, I never experienced any kind of uh, physical abuse. Definitely emotional, psychological abuse happened within past relationships. But I'd say that the scariest moment for me was my own reaction to those um relationships because in yeah in that most recent one I just it broke me down so much that I was feeling like there's no reason to be here anymore you know I was feeling very um self hate hating um -hmm. a lot of I just didn't feel happy because like I said like this was a toxic relationship in which I just didn't feel any kind of happiness. Like my energy levels were so, so low that I was feeling like, like committing self-harm, which is very, a very scary situation. And that happened a few times very distinctly um, where there were situations that I really wanted to. And it was, it was very scary. Um, But of course that was, I mean, that was in effect of, that was an effect of the relationship, but it wasn't my partner specifically hurting me or harming me. It was just um, the effects of the ab- emotional abuse. All right, Michael, bring us home. Yeah, so <clears throat> this goes back to Helda. I, I'm, I'm losing track of uh, my name, so I apologize, but this is the first relationship I was in. Olga. Wait. And Olga, Olga, I'm sorry. I just can't keep it straight. <sighs> and... um you know, naive, you know, 16 year old me was like, you know what, I'm going to invite her over uh, to my house after school while no parents are home and break up with her. Um, (laughs) Not a good idea, obviously, very bad. If you're going to do that as a kid, make sure you're in a public place. Um, So, you know, this was, you know, days of me confronting her about uh, her cheating on me and, you know, showing her the evidence and whatnot. And, you know, she wanted to, like, talk to me in person about this. I begrudgingly said, okay, fine, you know, after school on, you know, Wednesday, come by and we'll talk about it. 
Um, not a good idea. So, you know, she's, she gets there and she's sobbing and I'm not having it because, you know, I've had days to kind of, you know, gather my thoughts and emotions about this. And, um, you know, I'm laying down, you know, the law, I guess saying, you know, I, I, this is not going to work. Like you've cheated on me, blah, blah, blah. And so she, um, runs to the kitchen in my house and she grabs a knife and she, uh, holds it up to her throat, like pressing against her throat, uh, saying she's going to, you know, kill herself if I break up with her. And, you know, very terrifying because, I mean, that puts me in a very uh, hard position. Um, So I had to grab the knife out of her hand and I had to grab the blade part. So thus, you know, uh, stabbing my hand. Um, And she, after that ordeal you know, we walk over to the front door and she pretends to faint somehow. And she just kind of sits or like lays there, I guess, pretending to be, you know, having fainted. Um, And then she tells me she's pregnant and then she leaves that like just the series of events that happened all at once. There was just so much for a dumb 16 year old kid in high school to deal with. Uh, that was a terrifying day for me. Just so many emotions mm. going on. Um, yeah, real scary. Well, yeah. you weren't and dumb, all that, you know. That's, I don't think anyone's <laughs> yeah. equipped to really handle that. Well, I mean, like, I probably shouldn't have invited her over. I should have just done it in public, like, or talked to her in public, you know. I'm not saying I'm dumb for all of that, but, like, I mean, I, any kind of kid who's 16 is kind of dumb, you know, that's what I was trying to say. Sorry. But, well, yeah, very, very scary event. Yeah, you learned a lot from that, and that is very scary. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry you had to go through that. And all of yeah, that okay. after she cheated on you. Was this one that cheated on you twice? Yeah, I got back with her. Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was a very complex relationship. Um, uh, you know, when you're first relationship, you feel, uh, you know, as Megan was saying, you know, you want to try and make it work and whatnot, look past these issues. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Which is not healthy, of course. We should definitely emphasize the fact that like these relationships are kind of building blocks of trying to figure out what you need and what you want in a relationship and how to be mature in a relationship mm-hmm. and identify when a relationship isn't working. So hopefully some of these stories or one of these stories or a detail in a story um, resonates with you, dear listener. And um can help identify red flags in relationship and and build to something better and healthy. Yeah, and I think bouncing mm. off of that, it's you know, I feel like all of us have our own little screwed up first relationship or like serious toxic you know and it's sad to think that why do we all share this horrible experience of having experienced at least one toxic relationship in our lives. This brings me to my next little thought that comes up what do you wish someone told you or helped you with during this time that maybe would have saved you from hurt or I guess sass you know how how do you think someone could have saved you from all of the trauma that came from these bad relationships Mm, I think for mine I knew deep down that it was not a good healthy relationship uh, at the beginning, I thought it was great. And then things started going downhill very, very quickly, very steeply until it was like, oh, my God, all these things. These are this is not the type of relationship that I want in, for my life. And still, I hung on to that relationship because I was so afraid of being alone, um, even especially in Peace Corps. Like, it's very, very lonely. And then when everyone was evacuated, it was just terrifying. So I felt like the relationship was all I had. And I think if I were to kind of go back or go over it, then um, I would have probably gone through with the original breakup, which happened like a few months into the relationship. He broke up with me um, when he thought that I was going to cheat on him with a friend that was also in the same city as we were in the, at that time. Um And I think I should have just let it be, but I kept picking it back up because I really wanted it to work. And I thought if we go to therapy, if we both change, and that's another thing of a toxic relationship is 
trying to get another person to change or thinking that your partner will change and everything will be better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, we want to, we're optimists. We want to see the good things in relationships. Um, but when these patterns of behavior just continue and continue, there has to be a moment that you realize like the bad things are really outweighing the good in this um, circumstance and get yourself out of there. So I think that in retrospect, I should, and I knew that I just felt like this was really the first time that someone had given me so much attention and love. So I clung on to it. And even though I knew it wasn't great, I still continued to go back. So, I mean, optimally I would have cut it off before it got super, super serious like it did. Um, But I think that there was that hope that things would be all right if we just went to therapy. And of course, therapy is great but it's not going to fix the fundamental problems in your relationship. It's not going to fix that base that your relationship stands on. You need to have a stable base before you can build on it and um, become a beautiful mansion. (laughs) (laughs) House. (laughs) I think this is a really good and difficult question to ask. I think there has to be some shift in your confidence for you to really kind of realize, you know, this relationship is not working. I need to cut things off. Because I mean, there's so many times in past relationships where there's a lot of red flags or, you know, we've got friends and family saying, hey, this does not really look healthy. You should probably try and end this. And we just kind of look past all those kind of red flags and whatnot. And I think the biggest thing that has to happen is just kind of building up that confidence so you kind of realize, you know, hey, this isn't working. I'm not happy. I need to cut things off. And I don't know how, I think it's different for everyone building up that confidence. Um, I mean, it took me well out of um, high school to really build up that confidence. So, you know, I could have these healthier relationships. Um, so, I mean, whatever steps you need to take to really get confident in yourself and uh, who you are and what you're looking for, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably just – it goes back to self-worth and mm-hmm. loving yourself. So having that – you can't love someone else unless you love yourself. And if you love yourself, you're not going to put yourself through a shitty, toxic relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and you guys kind of stole mine. I was going to talk about self-worth. But, um, yeah, I think if someone would have told me back when I was – a 15 year old girl that your self-worth isn't um, determined by whether or not you have a boyfriend or whether or not you have certain things that your other friends have. Um, And if I truly believed that, you know, I think um, having that kind of self-love earlier on in life would have um, really prevented all of that relationship and um, all of those red flags. And something that comes to mind is a quote that my cousin, sister, I I call her a sister um, too. Uh, My cousin, sister Molly shared with me was when someone shows you who they truly are, believe them. I know that someone famous coined that phrase. I can't um, put, (laughs) you know, a name to that phrase right now. But um, I feel like that phrase has really resonated with me too. Because it's like when you see those red flags and something doesn't feel right, trust your intuition and get the hell away from it. (laughs) You know, it's not good for you. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Molly. (laughs) Thanks, Molly. So I think that's probably a really good sass is just is trusting your intuition when it comes to toxic relationships and having that self-confidence. And it, it really goes, it goes back to self-worth and self-work, doing the work, putting in the work for yourself, um, whatever that looks like and having that foundation before you go into any kind of relationship so that you can know when you're in a toxic relationship. Yeah. And I think another another preventative measure that I think our society just needs to implement is teaching our children what healthy boundaries look like and what, um, you know, you what a person should make you feel when you're in a relationship. And um, from an educator point of view, I feel like so many young children don't have 
an adult that they can talk to about those things. And I think if we all had someone in our life that we felt comfortable talking to that had more experience than us, maybe we'd be able to prevent some of these really traumatic experiences that we look back on and maybe still are working to unpack even now. Mm-hmm. Tell it like it is. Yeah. Preach. Protect those youngins. <laughs> Don't let them have these shitty experiences. Man. Yeah, but also from the shitty experiences, that's how you grow and learn. So True, but I we shouldn't know. have to grow and learn through abuse. True. I agree. And that's definitely <laughs> yeah, where it's... it came from for me, personally, is through mm-hmm. abuse. I mean, I think everyone kind of has to um, go through relationships and kind of figure out what they want and whatnot. So, I mean... It's a lot of trial and error. I love love both of you so much. I'm very thankful I have both of you in my lives. I'm thankful that... Fun fact, uh, I met both uh, Megan and Dana from a past relationship (laughs) that wasn't the best. Um, But it brought me many, uh, many great times with both of them. And I am extremely grateful that they're both in my life. So, you know, (laughs) love it. Sometimes we learn... Sometimes we learn great things from past relationships and then other times yeah. we're just shit on. So um, at least you got one good thing out of that past ex. Two. Two yeah. good was, things. Excuse me. Yeah, two good things. Sorry, Danica. <laughs> yeah, really. <geez. laughs> a future wife and a future grooms um, lady. Grooms Yeah. Groomswoman. Well, thank you, Michael, for bravely being with us. Yes. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me.